Hey. How's, How's it going, Josh? Good, good. Got some uh some sweet posters and like some artwork back there behind you. Oh yeah, I'm in my classroom right now. Nice. Oh, so you're you've been a school teacher then for a, a while, huh? Uh yeah, I've been working in education since 2002. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Chi, how's it going, man? Good, man. I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> It's been about 10 years. Yeah. 10 years? <laughs> no, no. <it's> no. <laughs> Do you guys it's like still see each other at all? Or not really? Yeah. Um, we, I mean, like we, we talk, on, I mean, I live in, I live in San Francisco. And uh, so we don't like, you know, physically see each other all that often. Yeah. But we talk on the phone probably. How many times do you say, Chi? At least a couple of times a week. Yeah. Nice. yeah That's sweet. Nice uh we'll just talk for like a few minutes then uh we'll just cool, get yeah. into it well thank well first of all man thanks for just thanks for reaching out you know um thank you guys just, for coming on <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we have some questions for you but i guess we'll wait yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm down um yeah i remember i messaged you ray like i spent a few years now but on facebook a long time ago asking about himalayan project and um I was trying. I was gonna go back and try to find the message and put like a screenshot of it, but I deleted Facebook maybe two or three years ago. Smart and man. So then I found Chi <laughs> on Instagram and DM'd him, and then got back to me and set everything up. So yeah, thanks for like taking your time to do this. It's like it means a lot to me. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll start with the first question. Like, when did you guys start HP, and like, kind of why? Like, what was the reasoning behind that? Chi, I feel like like you you already you just did a podcast with this origin story, so why don't you jump yeah. into it? Uh, okay, so the first question was, well, it's okay. I guess I'm I'm trying to get the timeline right, but I you know I Ray and I knew each other briefly in middle school. He was kind of a he was, he was picking on me in middle school, but we got to high school and we really connected. Um, you know. We, ended, we went to the school that had like a, what we call a modular schedule. So basically people would have weird times off. It was like recess, if you will. And so Ray and I had this weird time off early in the morning. Um, and we used to like take these walks to like get bagels and just, and we just would chop it up about, you know, uh, rap music. We, had, we actually had a class, an English class. Yeah, um, we had an English class together. But see, the thing is like, we knew each other from middle school. We, be, we were kind of in the same circle of friends in mm -hmm. high school. But we were like kind of on opposite ends of this kind of friend cluster. Yeah. And um, so I was kind of doing, you know, I would like whatever I was up to in my head in, in high school and he was in whatever it was in your head. And then we had this class together. And the cool thing about the class, it was it was a, it was an English class where the teacher. That's right. <laughs> Mr. Steinberg. Mr. Steinberg. The, the teacher would challenge the shit out of everybody. And so this was like a this was like a sort of a magnet school in San Francisco. And so every every kid that goes to the school, like goes in there with a big head thinking that they're all smart and shit. And we have the answers to stuff. And his his class itself, the work wasn't hard, but the conversations were difficult because you couldn't just like you couldn't just quote some shit and then like let it go. Mm -hmm. he would ask you to back it up and and it would bug all the kids out and so i think what happened was we would have this modular schedule like she was saying and then we finished the class and then a lot of our friends didn't have that time off so we would be like hey you guys want to like you want to go to noah's or whatever we go to noah's bagels like every day after class you guys and like then bagels, we just start huh? talking <laughs> we started nice. liking bagels because of it i think that's cool and uh i didn't know that he was into hip-hop and and like on my opposite end of the spectrum, like I was kind of like in my own headphones, I had that going. And so we just started chopping it up and we, we like different music within that genre. Right, mm -hmm. G? Yeah, Ray, Ray was more into like, because his brother put him on to like Cool G Rap. Okay. Um, and like, you know, I don't know if you, you know about like Paris. Paris actually happened to go to the same high school we, we went to, but he's obviously a lot older. But Ray was really into like Paris and Cool G Rap. Um, and I was probably more into like ice cube uh i was probably like you know i was probably into yeah i was getting into hieroglyphics around that time but i was really into like death row and like you know yeah. ice cube and um i can't remember who else but that that was sort of like you know we used to just kind of like i'm like oh what is this cool g rap and the way that cool g rap was rapped was actually 
crazy. Like I hadn't heard anything like it. So that's how we started chopping it up. Um, I don't think we knew that we wanted to make, like we're going to make music or, you know, anything like that. I wanted to be a DJ. I just, I couldn't figure out how to, I couldn't figure out number one, how to get enough money to get the equipment. And number two, how to actually work the equipment. Yeah. (laughs) Did you guys ever write raps in that bagel shop? No, never. Really? Like we didn't, we didn't actually, actually make music. <laughs> did did we start doing the pause mix tapes before or after you moved? I want to say it was like right before. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you you want to explain what? Maybe Josh knows what. Yeah, that you, is. you no, you're young, dude. You probably have no idea what a pause mix tape is. I don't. So dude. yeah. <laughs> so you know, like okay, so you use little cassette tapes. Yeah. And, um you know, like it's, it's a thing. People would like make little mixtapes for each other. Right. And you'd like play like whatever's on the radio. You could like record it. Mm-hmm. If you had a CD, you could record it onto your, your, your little, your little cassette tape. And so what we started doing was my lights going to turn off real quick mm-hmm. in my room. Anyway. So what we started doing was um, we, because I couldn't scratch, I didn't have like a record player. Uh, what I would do is we would like splice parts of songs by just playing it and pausing it and then like jumping to the next part and, and pausing it. And if you caught like the scratch or you caught the snare, right, you could actually make it sound like you were scratching. Mm-hmm. And so, so we would make these pause mix tapes where we would like fuck with each other. Like we would diss each other by just like splicing in what different rappers were like saying. And um, we started passing them back and forth to each other, just like privately too. Like we, it's not something we would like play for other people, right, Chi? No, that wasn't happening. So it was just then, you two yeah. that were like listening to like these, like just with each other, just going back and forth pretty much. It was like a way of like, it was kind of a way for like for us to put each other onto the music we liked. Okay. And then we figured out that we could like be kind of creative with it. And so that became kind of a thing where we try to one up each other. And I think you're, you're the one who dropped a rhyme in one of them because <laughs> we just we, like, we were running yeah. out of ideas. <laughs> so, you know, basically like with, with, tapes with cassette tapes and mm-hmm. before like you know mp3s or whatever or bef- like we didn't I, I didn't own a turntable um so i didn't have instrumentals so what you would do is like at the end of a song sometimes there'll be like whatever like 25 seconds or like 18 seconds of just the beat the instrumental so what ray was saying essentially too is you could ex- you could basically extend the beat out by recording at the 18 second mark right before the 18 seconds that the song is over and you would pause it and you rewind the original tape back, add 18 more seconds, right? So you basically now have like a beat. And then I think at some point I was like, well, Ray's kicking my ass with these pause mixtapes because he had also a more sensitive um, pause release button. Mm-hmm. So it was like real seamless, but mine was like herky jerky. And I was like, well, I'm not going to beat him on these pause mixtapes. So I, I created this instrumental off some song. And I was like, well, I've been writing raps secretly at the time. Like I wasn't ready to know I was writing raps or even thinking about it. And so then I just like had this little Radio Shack mic. I think I dropped like, I don't know, 10 bars, maybe 12 bars. And I sent it to him. Uh, I gave it to him. I don't know. One of the, yeah, I sent it to you. And then um, he responded in kind with one of his raps. And so I would say that that's how it that's how we were like, okay, we're rapping now. Like, and my shit was terrible. Like, it was terrible. But I mean, we were both terrible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, how old were you at that time? Like, roughly? we were like between 16? junior and senior year in high school, right? Okay, I was like 16, 17, something like that. Yeah. And what, and then, what year and, was yeah. that? Ninety-four. Okay, so that's Summer pretty. Early. That's like way before than like your first album, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, do you guys have, like, any, like, unreleased songs, like, early ones that you guys still have, but, like, just never release them? Or <laughs> We have. <laughs> a lot? We have, we have, like, a, man, this is terrible. We, we have a, an album that we made, mm-hmm. and we thought it was the shit. It was terrible. We thought it was the shit. We, like, and, okay, you have to remember, this is before, like, digital anything. Yeah. So, you take a, so, we made an album cover on a cassette tape. You had to like, we took a picture, we photocopied the picture. It shits in black and white because they don't even have a color copy. This is a long time ago. <laughs> and so we took this black and white picture of, of ourselves. And then I took a highlighter <laughs> and I like highlighted the back, left our faces unhighlighted. And that was our cover. And like, That's didn't sweet. you like, and you like wrote like a little script, right? 
Did and I? You wrote a little script because I mean, oh, I had to okay. have a name because I had to like. I, oh I went, yeah. I went to like an actual like music or T-shirt store and actually like <laughs> asked them if they want to put the show. Oh, on we were, no, I was. I I went with you. It was a. Uh, uh, it was in the Hate Ashbury. What was it called? Beyond the Post Office. No, it wasn't. <laughs> It was beyond, beyond the post, the post office. office yeah yeah we went there and the guy was real nice he's like oh that's cool i'll check it out and see if i want to <laughs> if i want to buy and we were so naive you know we we're just like because that was the spot like they had like cool gear and like that was a cool little spot and so we were like they'll carry this you know it was yeah of course it didn't happen so like that's just do you still have that like a set somewhere i think i have a copy of it someplace ray's oh, got that somewhere yeah that's crazy so but, uh is yeah. okay so uh i guess the taz cam four track wanted to ask about that that's how you guys started like recording right like that was, was that was that was like the next phase of that shit the next phase because <laughs> yeah. first it was like a first it was a radio shack karaoke machine okay <laughs> <laughs> with like a cassette play thing where you could like record yourselves and yeah. we weren't even called himalayan project yet really we were called you remember we were called the trustees that's right. <laughs> I don't even know why we were called the trustees. I know. I know why. I think I remember why. Because you know, around this time, like um, it was trusty life. It was trusty life. Around this time, like Tupac had like Tupac was one of the biggest artists, and he was you know he was thug life, thug life, and we were like obviously not about that life. We were like you know mm-hmm. kids that were into rap and whatever, wore baggy clothes and tried to skate or whatever. At least I did, and. Um, it was some kind of joke and we're just like man this is trusty life like you know just i don't know it's some stupid thing and uh we're just we started calling ourselves the trustees just having fun with it that was the original terrible name yeah we, we didn't become himalayan project till i went to college what changed that like- um well first off so we went to like we we both went to separate colleges okay and like so but between between junior year and, high, and senior year of high school she moves to the east coast and so it is actually really important that like him moving was huge because um, he basically moved with his family, but he didn't know anybody. And just imagine like moving your junior year in high school and senior year, you got to do it like some high school, you, you don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And um, so me and him would send tapes back and forth. So like we'd actually like mail our tapes across the country. That's so and, cool. And um like, I think that was like just a way of keeping in touch. And so it was like, you know, like uh, any creative process, you need something to motivate you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think for, for me, it was like the motivator wasn't like getting dope at like being good at making mixtapes or dope at making beats or even rhyming. It was like, I want to maintain this friendship. And again, this is like real like time-based stuff. You couldn't necessarily just call anybody. We didn't have cell phones right mm-hmm. so you called someone's house if they were home they were home and this was a way for us to keep in touch and um it kind of kept like creative juices going um then after that we go to separate colleges we're still kind of keeping in touch by this time the internet becomes a thing and then we start we start battling people on message boards remember this yeah yeah i remember that like like on like a just a chat room online yeah, that was this yeah. was a thing. This was this was like this was like internet 1.0. So basically the first email <laughs> account that either one of us had, the only way you could get an email is if you were part of a higher ed institution back then or like okay. you had AOL or something. So it was yeah. like a .edu account. And there were most of the like most of the sites didn't work. You know, like it's cool now. It's kind of like, I don't know. It, it was basically like terrible, but we stumbled upon this message board uh and the only way you could access it is go to the college library to access the internet because that's there was no like internet in in your dorm room i had it in like my that. room i had you it had in your room. room i had my room california man i had it <laughs> i was i was in central pa we we did not have internet um anyway so i'd be in the library instead of doing schoolwork. uh ray and i would go on these message boards and like battle people so what is it called key style is that I think that's what the kids started calling is that it what later. It's, was that what it's called? Yeah, it's like freestyle, but it's key style. Um, and it was pretty brutal. Like we, you know, and there were like clicks forming in this in this virtual space already. Imagine, uh, imagine like, you know, like how the YouTube comments in 2022 are like the foulest place yeah, on the internet. Yeah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> they're horrible. Like it was that, except it was just people like trying to put it into rhyme form. Interesting. Okay. Did you ever meet anyone from those message boards in person and like rap battle them or anything? Did you cheat? 
You know, there was one, there was one person, uh, I think she identified as a she. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. But she actually was at, at Penn State. And I remember meeting her and we oh, kind of wow. connected. We kind of connected. I didn't know it was her, but I knew it was someone because they, I think there was some like PSU account associated with her or something. Um, and she was nice. I forget her name now, but she was nice. But I met her and I was like, yeah, I'm she, I'm, I'm on the message board. It's like, oh, you really went at that dude the other day or whatever it was. Um, but that was it. It was like, yeah, that was, that was the only person that I met in, in real life. That yeah. And so me and him keeping like, so, so me and him, even though we're on opposite, opposite sides of the country, mm-hmm. like we, we form a bond basically because we essentially are like me and you we're our own clique and we're just going at people. And someone wants to jump in, we go at that person. Like I was like running back from class to go see who was coming at us. And then we started, we would, you know, if we if we did manage to call each other, we would call, we would like, we would like spit our rhymes over the phone. And when I went to college, I again wanted to be a DJ, like a radio DJ. So I went to like the uh like the, the college radio station, got my license. I didn't get my own show, but I started hanging out at the one hip hop show they had at, at, at UC Irvine. And um, so then you kind of get connected with that community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that show, usually some point in the show, they would have like a freestyle cipher. And, you know, p- people say what their name is and then they say what crew they're in. And so you're asking like, you know, how'd the name change? Like just trustees just seem like a weird fucking name. <laughs> it just didn't <laughs> seem like a cool name. So I think at some point we were like, I was like, I had to come up with a better name. And so I'm in this like earth system science class for like one of my, my, things that I had to do for my requirements and they were talking about like how the Himalayan project like the how the Himalayan mountain range formed and it was like the Indian subcontinent and like the Asian subcontinent met up and like the highest mountains in the world and so I remember it was like sitting there in this class this big ass lecture hall and I just wrote like Himalayan project and and I think I I like told you like I, yeah, I emailed you I was gonna say I texted you there was no text <laughs> I emailed you, you and I was like letter. I might have called you and I was yeah, like, I, like what do you think of this name and first, at first, I think it was the name of like the, the album, like whatever collection of songs we ended up coming up with, we thought, well, let's just call it the Himalayan Project by the trustees. And then I think when I would go to the radio station, you know, if it was my turn to get on a cypher, I'd be like, yeah, like it's, I don't think I went by Rain Man yet. I think I was like the Mad Dragon or some shit. So I'd be like, <laughs> like the Mad Dragon from like the Himalayan Project, you know, just to sound, like to sound mysterious. Cause like, yeah. you know, like Wu-Tang Clan, like people had like a million names. At some point, I think I was Rain, Racer X slash Rain Man slash Rain Man, the Mad Dragon from the Himalayan Project. <laughs> Did you have any other names, Chi? Or was it just always Chi or Chi Malabar? It wasn't always Chi Malabar. It was like Chi Guevara. You remember that? It was Chi Guevara. It was like, it was Chiggy, like Chiggy anything. You would come up with like just things to put behind, like whatever was like, whatever was in the news, you were like, you were like Chiggy Lewinsky (laughs) or like Chiggy Nixon, you know, like that kind of shit. But is Chi Malabar like your actual name? No, it's not. Uh, It's not. No, no, no. So um, Malabar is... uh, the southern tip of India, the coast, the coastline, the Malabar coast. And that's where my, fa- my father's family from is from. Oh, wow. Um, and so, uh, you know, Malabar is like a nod to, you know, origin. It's a nod to that region. Um, and she is just shortened for Chirag. She is Ray and all my close friends have always called me that. So it's just a name that stuck. So really, really nice. Um, I, I was like curious about you guys performing and stuff like, so we'll start with like the middle passage. Were you guys performing at all when you released that album or was it like after that? It was right after uh, the middle passage. Cause we weren't even we in the started. same, lo- like we weren't even in the same location. No. Until 2000. Well, we were like, in, we're on the East coast by then though. Yeah. 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 But that's what I'm saying. So like yeah. the, the entire college, I would see you maybe twice a year. Like I'd yeah. fly out to New York to kick it like with you. You'd fly out to go to San Francisco like in the summer for a couple of weeks. Um, and everything was basically like this, except without being able to like see each other on Zoom. It was mm-hmm. like sending emails and shit to each other. And um, we made we made our first like EP in college, literally sending like a four track tape 
back and forth. He had a four, like you brought, you, you asked about the task cam, like yeah. four track. Like he had a task cam and I had a task cam and we would literally send a tape. And if the fucking US Postal Service fucked up, like that was that gone. Would, that was Dang, how many, did yeah. you guys lose a lot? Like, no, that, but no, but, we didn't lose anything. But like thinking about it, because I think me and Chief talked about this, like, you know, nowadays, like it's so easy to record. Yeah, and I think record I off think the phone. The, yeah, I think the fact that it was like this kind of onerous process, it really made us cognizant of the process mm. and like of the craft because it wasn't like disposable. You know, like if you can just make it and throw it away and like record over it, it's not a big deal. But you know, there if if I if I finished a verse and I sent it across the country and he laid his verse over, there's really no way to like digitally move and fix what whatever i did so like yeah. it had to be like the right way to do it um but yeah so we, we we finish an ep i think my last year in college and like you know i think people around my college knew about it people around i don't know if like if you passed it around like at, at, at penn state or anything did you uh i might have i don't remember to be honest with you because yeah. I, I don't remember how I passed around but i was definitely like you know uh, hitting up the radio stations and I was part of like a lot of a lot of people were coming out of Penn State that were making music so I was definitely a part of that um sort of scene so I was I was in the mix but I was recording at the time too at Penn State with a couple of people so I was but I don't remember passing it out though that's yeah and we would have like borrowed beats like so I gotta yeah I, I can't I can't not mention Cheap Shot because uh so the the guy who hosted a radio show he was my age his name was Cheap Shot. It is Cheap Shot. He's still a producer. Um, and he, he would give me like his throwaway beats, okay. which was super fucking generous because he he was he was the producer for Styles of Beyond. He worked with Aloe Black, um, a bunch of local folks around there. And I had no business, you know, spitting verses over Cheap Shot beats. Yeah. I was terrible. But um you know, we were friends and I, I wrote a, um, I wrote a music column for, for the school paper. So, you know, like we were both kind of in, in like the same kind of college hip hop media circles and like hip hop music really wasn't a big deal yet down there. So we were, it was kind of like a closed community. Interesting. Um, and so our entire EP, but like, I think every single beat on that EP was a cheap shot beat, right G? Uh, I, made, I made one you terrible made, you made one. You I made, made one bridge beat. techniques. Yeah, 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 yeah. The original version, not the, the original not the, bridge techniques yeah. that, okay. that Scott cleaned up for us. Yeah, yeah but I think I think cheap. I think cheap did. Uh, well, he he didn't. He gave he gave us he gave us beats. Give us yeah. beats. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna share my screen real quick. I'm gonna see if you guys can see this. You guys see this picture? Oh yeah. Oh, you man. guys know where research. this was? Like that was yeah, in San Francisco. Uh, yeah. And mm -hmm. where'd you guys perform? Like at colleges or like bars or like where at? Mainly that was a that was a that was a festival. That was like an art festival. That, okay. that one. It was Aperture. Aperture. Yeah. Aperture. Yeah. Like a hip hop festival or just like nah, a... it was it was like a <clears throat> it was arts. like a it was, art. it was an arts art festival, festival like geared towards like Asian Americans. Okay. And so it was just like Asian American creators, like we didn't call no one called themselves a creator back then, just Asian American artists in like various genres, just kind of getting together. And that was that was what that show was. Um, we did a lot of shows like after the Middle Passage came out and we did we produced all of that stuff on our own. We we paid for all that on our own. We uh, what about the beats of, like they were all you guys on the Middle Passage? No, no. No, so I'll, I'll tell you. So, okay, um, the way, all right, let me rewind a little bit, Ray. So basically what happened was Ray was living in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, I had just graduated and I moved to Philly. And I wasn't sure if Himalayan, like Himalayan Project still wasn't, like we, I don't think we had any designs for any album or songs or anything like that. And I was in Philly and I was like, man, I want to keep making music there was a group called the mountain brothers. And, um, one of the members of the mountain brothers was styles infinite. Um, so chops is also a big time producer coming out of mountain brothers. He did stuff for pretty much everyone. But anyway, I hit up, I hit up styles and I was like, I'm in Philly cause styles was in Philly. Um, you know, just love to connect. Do you, do you have any producers in mind? And he was like, yeah, I got these three guys, um, hit them up. So I hit up like all three of them. 
And the only guy that got back to me was this guy by the name of Kuzner, Scott Kuzner, Kuz. And he lived down in Maryland. And he was, uh, I think, yeah, he was working with a lot of local guys in, in the D.C., uh, Maryland, Virginia area. And, you know, he was like, well, listen, I'm going to I'm going to send you some uh, I'm going to send you some beats. And so basically he put a now we had graduated from tapes to CDs and he sent me a bunch of instrumentals on a CD. And so I was like, OK, I like this one. I like this one. So I started writing uh, to some of the beats he sent me. And then I think I told Ray, I'm like, hey, man, um, I'm working on these on these joints. Oh, I think it was nothing nice. It was nothing nice was the one that I had picked. It was, was nothing nice. And yeah, it was, was going to be do... like your own solo project. It was going to be my solo project. And then Ray heard it. I don't know if I had, I might've played him the verse. I don't remember, but, or I might've spit the verse for him. And I was like, this is the one I'm thinking of. And he was like, oh, I like this beat. I was like, well, I'm going down to, uh, to Maryland to record it. And back then you have to go into like, now we had graduated to a real studio, uh, you know, pay for studio time, engineer, all that, like the, 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 the producer. And so I was like, well, Ray, you know, this, this, this shit is expensive. And he's like, well, all right, you know, let's just, let's go half halfsies on it and make the song. And I was like, well, if we're going to go into the studio and spend all this money, we might as well make a couple of songs. Yeah. And so I think it was nothing nice. I forget what the other song was. Was it everything? I don't know. Honestly, I don't, I don't remember. Know. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we, we essentially initially we bought like three beats from Coos and we're like, these are the three that we want to do. He took care of, um, you know, he had a relationship with the guy that owned the studio, Bruce, I think his name was. Scott ended up booking the time for us. Ray came down to Philly and we kind of, uh, and so we also, so studio time is like, you're on the hook for a good chunk of money. At that time, we weren't making that much money. It was basically, probably, I want to say it was probably a quarter of my paycheck, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's probably a quarter of Ray's paycheck. So we're like, all right, we got to be really efficient when we go into the studio. So we got to DC generally like the day before. So we would rehearse with the producer, make sure our drops were in order, make sure we had the verses memorized. He's like, oh, this is where I'm gonna drop the beat. This is where I'm gonna take the snare off, whatever. All that shit was pre-planned before we went in. And you have to memorize your verses by then. You had like had to have it in you. So you're not, you know, reading off a paper, like it's, you've digested it. Yeah. And now it's just like, sec it's like having a conversation. It's just coming out. So that was how we recorded the first batch of songs. Uh, and we kind of hit it off with Scott. You know, he seemed like an agreeable dude. Is I think one way I can think of him. He's just kind of like a nice guy. Uh, and Ray was like, yo, we should just keep making a few more songs. So we went back, listening to the demos that we just made um, before they got mixed and masked and all that. And we just decided to say, yep, well, you know, let's just do an album. And so that's kind of how it started in terms of the middle passage, which it was just like a happy accident. I didn't know if Ray would be interested in recording. Um, like I said, I was just going to do my own solo thing at first. And so the Kuzner <laughs> produced like all the songs on the middle passage then, or most he of did them? on the middle passage, he did all of them. Okay. Um, and then like, I'll, I'll talk about Harry. We'll talk about Harry. Cause he came in later on. Um, is that Zeeb? Zeeb. Yeah. yeah. Zeeb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I was in the, I was like interested mostly like I love all the albums, but like Broken Worlds, one hundred percent my favorite, and like some of those beats are like just insane. So like the the Zeb or you said Harry. Yeah, the same guy. Yeah. Did, did he produce Harry, like a lot of more of like Broken World beats or? I feel like they co-produced. Like that was like one of the, the times where they, I feel like it was a pretty, good mesh between them am i wrong on this g no so basically all right so let me just start go back a little bit i'm, I'm sorry if i'm taking up a lot of airtime here but i want to get the story right um so we do the middle passage that was all scott yeah and we start working on wince at the sun and scott well before we knew it was going to be called wince at the sun scott was like Yo, i don't want to sample anymore i want to do just like what he called organic beats <laughs> so basically he was uh you know maybe the drums were sampled or the snare or like whatever, but he yeah. wasn't sampling. So he's like, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you guys to, um, to Harry, Harry Hotter, uh, Zeke. And so one of our sessions, actually we were recording postcards is when he came through. Uh, we were recording a song called postcards from paradise and, and Harry shows up to the studio with Artemis, who's another dope MC and, you know, a, a friend of ours and a couple other people. 
And, um, you know, Scott's like, yeah, Harry's going to help me out with this beat and, you know, the production. And so Harry and I hit it off right away. Ray and Harry hit it off. Like we were, you know, everything was, was cool. And then, um, so then Harry and Scott ended up forming the Soulful MP. So you had Himalayan Project, which is me and Ray. And then you have the production team, which was um, Harry and Scott, the Soulful MPs. So Harry had a hand in um, Wince at the Sun, and then he had a hand in Broken World. And then, of course, you know, I went on to do some work with him with uh, a group called Oblique Brown. So, uh-huh. so Middle Passage was all Scott, and then Harry and Scott, and then me and Harry. Okay. Post Himalayan Project stuff. Did you guys produce like like anything with them on on that, or like any work any say in, into the beats? We had a lot of say, so that yeah. was that was kind of the cool thing about the process. Um, I feel like just technical speaking, technically speaking, I don't think me and Chi are are great with with a beat machine. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're pretty pretty difficult. <laughs> they are, but they're not. Also, it's, it's yeah. I, I think part of it's like just impatience. You know, yeah, it's that's like, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've, I've I've been trying to learn how to play a ukulele for three years, and people are like, "Dude, it's it's a folk instrument. Anyone can play this shit, right?" But I, I think that's <laughs> I, I think that's what like an MPC is basically like a folk instrument if you just put the work in. But I just yeah. was too impatient. But like we were very cognizant of like the sounds that we wanted, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of why like the relationships with with Harry and the relationships with Scott were really important. Yeah, because. Um, it wasn't just like, oh, we're just buying a beat that, you know, they had it, like yeah. they were crafting music based on what we wanted. And then we'd give a lot of feedback and you like broken world, broken world was a painful process to come, to come together on because I think, I think there's probably a whole different version of broken world <laughs> that exists that we thought was going, what was going to be broken world. Um, that uh for about six months we thought that was going to be it but then it just didn't sit right with us um i don't know like so you like broken world you know how like the end of broken world uh there's like a like a, a silence like th- three minutes of silence yeah and, i wrote like, that down a, the notes and the, there's the a last second song, version right? of man child you know yeah. there's like a new like there is a whole version of broken world that sounds a lot like that that hidden version of man child really okay and that's the reason why like that hidden version of man child is there um because you know you know you, you create something you get a little bit attached to it and we're like you know I, I i was like i think i like this version that you know that you know about but there was still something about like the like, you know like the lost child that you kind of had to like yeah. keep around um but yeah so we didn't we didn't do we didn't like make the beats but we definitely like had a big part in like you know crafting the sound yeah because like about a girl and gorilla wordsmiths just like crazy ass beats and I, I wanted to ask about like about about a girl like about that story that because that's you rapping on that right? That's me, yeah. Okay, like I'm guessing that's a true story because you also talk about it like in it's, the little. It's actually not a true story. It's really it's an Is it amalgam- based off a true story. It's based on it's based on a lot of just relationships Re- in my life. Really, okay. you know. So yeah, because people are like who's the girl right and i'm like yeah. the girl is is like a bunch it's a she's a composite of a bunch of different relationships you know and i didn't have that many relationships you know for it so it was like a composite of a few relationships um so i think that people who know me are like oh you're talking about so and so like no no that's so and so um yeah but but it's not one particular person but it, you know it, it the song is kind of about you know like that first moment when you when you meet up with someone and that mm-hmm. kind of that honeymoon period, but then also like those moments of like regret. Cause I think when we were making Broken World, that was like after like like a rough breakup that I had, right, Chi? Yeah. Yep. That was yep. And so a lot of that was kind of marinating in my head still. You yeah. Know, like that's, all of that stuff. Yeah, that's a crazy song. I mean, that's cool. I just learned that. I was playing that at uh, work the other day. Like I just sometimes I like shuffle your guys' music, try to like slip it in there, and like it's so sick. And now I'm getting all my coworkers <laughs> to listen to HP too, which is awesome. Wow, that's dope. Thank you, man. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Have people hit you up at all, like to do like any interviews before or like podcasts about HP at all? I mean, we yeah, you know, it's again. I want to say when we were really, really out there making music. Obviously, we did a lot of you know we we're <clears throat> on the road 
a good bit. So we'd always show up at the radio station. This is before podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. So we we do interviews at radio stations, you know, drop runs or whatever. Um, you know, I, I generally tend to not like these things, as Ray knows. Um, so it, Are you for an me, I, I am an introvert um, for sure. Yeah. Ray's, yeah, Ray's <laughs> nodding his head, but you know, it, it's it, it's 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 not. Um, it's not the most comfortable thing because uh, I always think that whatever I value or the things that are valuable to me or the things that I've expressed that are of value to me, I've already expressed them. And so like anything I have to add to it, maybe even detracts from like the work that I've probably put in, you know, that's kind of how I looked at it. But I think as I get older, I'm starting to see the value in having a conversation um, that extends out of the music. Um, so I, yeah, we had a conversation about this yesterday. We're driving. I was talking about this and like one of the maddening things we would we would go to these we would get booked for for colleges, which was actually one of the really cool parts of of making music when we made the music was mm-hmm. that we sort of figured out that um, there are these, you know, every college basically has like an activities board or committee and they have budgets that they need to spend. And we were making music that had like like a political bend to it. So it kind of fit the college scene. And so we would do a lot of these shows where we'd perform and then we'd be sit on a panel with like professors and shit, which was really weird <laughs> to me. Yeah. That's and, so cool. and people would ask about our music and they'd ask Chi about his music and <laughs> he'd just be like, you know, it's basically kind of self-explanatory. And so like the question would just die right there. <laughs> and I'd look at you like, dude, like someone's asking you about this song and you're like, yeah, you just got to listen to the song again. And then we just move on. But uh, I remember those those days. That was funny. Like the, when you guys were done with like Broken World, did you guys know you were done like with the group? Was that like the end of it? Or did you guys stay together for a little bit like after that? Well, one thing that Ray forgot to mention is while we were doing Broken World, I was like almost done with Oblique Brown, with the first Oblique Brown record. Mm-hmm. And actually we finished broken world the same weekend that i was finishing up oblique brown i don't know if you remember that ray i do yeah and you were like why the fuck am i here she's just gonna be in the, stu- <laughs> in, the in the in the studio recording like what you know so uh i don't know if it was like oh we're done i, I don't i still don't know if we're like done you know what i mean um but at the time i think ray was and you could correct me if i'm wrong ray it, it you had um other things that you were a passionate about and and things that you were like tending to um and i was like actually even stealing myself even more to to make music so it's almost like okay we did these albums but i'm not stopping and it didn't seem like uh ray really was in a in, in the headspace we to were want. like in, yeah we were in different places and and i think like the way that that we viewed the music was was a little bit different also and i mean here's the thing we're we're friends first you know, like I said, when we first started this, like I, I talked to him on the phone probably three, four, four times a week while I'm just like driving to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it's like someone's like, hey, have you guys broken up? It's like, I don't think so. I spoke to him yesterday. <laughs> I think we're cool. <laughs> um, but so, I, you know, I, I, I became a teacher and I wanted to work in education. And I feel like a lot of that itch, that that creative itch that making music satisfied with me um i've i've really channeled it into teaching and like working with young people mm-hmm. and so because people are like hey when are you going to write another rhyme i'm like dude i'm writing lesson plans and do you know how hard it is you know and this is the same kind of skill you need to get an audience to go from point a to point b with you mm-hmm. is like the same skill that i feel like gets activated when i'm in my classroom and i'm trying to get kids to to visualize something and, and not necessarily just have me like tell you what it is but like guide them someplace because you know like yeah. there's like that call and response aspect of hip-hop where like it's it's the most empowering feeling when you're in the audience and the the mc leads you to something right mm-hmm. and i'm kind of, i feel like i i every single day i sit down and go okay well what am i trying to get across to these kids and i'm working with 13 14 year olds and i'm activating that same kind of creative part of my brain so then when it's time for me to like if i want to sit down and write a rhyme and I realized like how much was gonna go into it to make, to make a piece of art that I'm satisfied with. That is also comparable to what she's doing. Cause she like, he's a craftsman. Like he's like a real craftsman. I feel like 
I was like a hobbyist and I feel like okay. he was a craftsman. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. And so I'm almost kind of like, I don't know if I want to sully his shit with like my hobby shit coming <laughs> like on the side, you know? Yeah. Do you guys uh, like still like write rhymes? Oh, you have Oblique Brown still, right? G? Yeah. Like, what about you, Ray? Do you write any rhymes still? Or like when you guys are just like alone in the house, do you guys just like rapping for fun or anything like that? The, the only times, I mean, like if I'm driving and I'm listening to music, occasionally like something will activate something and I'll be like, oh, I need to just like stop the car and like put that in. But it's like, I have like a phone full of like two bars here and there. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, like if I see kids like out and about and they're just like spitting rhymes, like, like in the yard or whatever, like I'll start thinking about it. <laughs> but the funny thing is like, I don't tell the kids that I have this like alter ego. Yeah. It's like this, uh, it's this little thing, this little nugget that like the kids will kind of find out about. And, and I'll be like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you guys ever listen to your, your like Himalayan project music at all still? Or is that just like a, a thing in the past that was like, it was back then and like you just moved on and outgrew it kind of, right? Like I, sometimes I watch my own videos, but it's more to like study how to like talk to people. Mm. Um, but like, are you a fan of your own music still? Chi? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I have a love-hate relationship with it is the best way I could put it. Um, there are songs that I'm very proud of um, mm -hmm. in terms of um, what it took for us to even make it, but also like to be kinder in the process, we were growing leaps and bounds, right? Like, so when Ray was talking about us doing those early um, mixed or, or, or early demos. Yeah. And then just in a span of like really two and a half years, we went from making like just learning to taking a huge leap with a song like Lomas or with About a Girl, right? So these leaps were happening, these sort of artistic leaps. <clears throat> and I'm really proud of that and the process that it, that we had to undergo to get there. It gave me confidence to keep going, right? So. When I listen now, there are things that I can critique harshly. I could judge it and be like, oh, that's terrible. But when I look at it objectively, I had to be in that place personally to get to where, I, where I'm still trying to go. I've gotten better since then. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I almost look at it as like, I don't know, if you like were to ask, I don't know, a really competent basketball player who plays in the NBA, you know, talk about your games in middle school or high school, you'd be like, I was nice. <laughs> But I didn't know how to play team. I didn't know how to play ball, right? Yeah. Like, so it's, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I, I feel like we were nice back then. Like, you know, we, we held our own. Um, but the more you know, it's like the less you know kind of thing. It's like, I'm, now I just see all the gaps in understanding around craft. Yeah. Back then, but I had to, we had to do that, I think, to, you know, get to whatever level we were trying to get to. So I don't know, Ray, that's, that's my response. I still listen to broken world occasionally. I mean, you know what happens? Like I'll be, there goes my lights again. I'll, I'll be just chilling, doing whatever. And I'll get a text from you where you'll be super jazzed. Cause you're like, you, you just happen to like decide to listen to one of the albums. Right? Yeah. And then I would start listening to the album and um, I'm with you, Josh. Like I, I love broken world. It was a, it's like a hard album to listen to because like of the I know the headspace that I was at yeah but I feel like it's an album where if that's the last like thing I ever put out I feel like it's something I could be proud of like 20 years from now and mm. be like this shit was really good you know I feel like that's your most passionate album too yeah like, definitely like I I so I, I ran track in college I was a sprinter and my last track meet, I blew my hamstring out. Wow. Like I was winning a race and I blew out, like I blew up my hamstring. Like it was like mm. a, it rolled up behind my leg. And so occasionally people will be like, hey, you know, you, you know I'm in like my 40s now, but you should run these master's meets. Like, cause you could like probably like dust a bunch of like 40, 50 year olds, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I actually don't really feel the need to do that because I literally know how fast I could go. And I don't really feel the need to like, press that button again you mm -hmm. know um and i feel sort of that way like when it comes to broken world it's it, it i think broken world in many ways makes it hard for me 
to like step back in and like do like something serious you know i would love to like sit down with chi and like hey let's just make something that like no one even fucking knows about and we just fucking play it to each other honestly you know but i think there's like this pressure I feel this like external pressure, or internal pressure. I don't even know what, what, what side it's coming from when it probably comes from to me. music. <laughs> well, and I, anymore, and I talk but... about it in, in the album a little bit, you know, yeah. like, cause I think like when I heard Oblique Brown, I realized like how much craftsmanship went into it. And I was like, if, if I can't make that commitment, then I don't know if I should do it, mm-hmm. you know? Would you guys ever like perform again? Like today, you think? Or is it just like? I generally, I'm, I'll speak for myself. I, I mean, I have performed over the years since HP, like a good amount with the week Brown and just solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think I'm at a, uh, me personally, it's just, I'm at a place in my life where I think I enjoy right now, just making music, the process of it more so than being out and, you know, in front of a crowd. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, and I think I'd probably have a hard time remembering some of those old rhymes from, from the HP. HP yeah. stuff. I don't know about you, Ray. My last performance, I almost, you know, you know what my last performance was. Yeah. <laughs> it was your wedding, dude. Yeah. What? So, like, my last <laughs> performance was his wedding. And uh, I almost, like, I almost, that, see, it, it kind of goes back to that thing. It's like, you know, do I want to, like, perform in some small thing and have that be my last performance? Or do I want it to be at, like, my boy's wedding where, you know, I do a medley of our shit and mm-hmm. I close it with, like, a medley of his songs you know and yeah. i'm like and you know i was like there's there's an emotional resonance to that where i'm like ah you know totally you guys you guys said you had questions for me or well just like how did you even <clears throat> how did you find us i mean it's weird we've had people reach out to us from like random places like japan europe really um yeah it's like we've had like just and the thing is we've never um performed in europe or japan or anything like that but it's always like a pleasant surprise when someone reaches out and it's like, yo, I dig your shit, you know? So I was just, we were just curious, like, A, how did you find us? Like, what album did you find? Um, what resonated for you? Because obviously something did enough for you to reach out to us. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I put that down. I, it was 20, roughly 2011. I was in eighth grade going into like high school, like freshman year. And I, like at that time, Pandora was huge. So mm. I was like, I would shuffle a lot of just like hip hop, a lot of new JBS and stuff. And Postcards from Paradise came on Pandora. And like right away, I fell in love with the song. Each time I, I started like the Himalayan Project radio station. And then just like your songs would come on there. So oh, cool. Yeah. So like um, I at the time, every album would shuffle, I believe, like at least a few songs from like, like the bigger ones, like Postcards, Gorilla Wordsmiths, About a Girl. And uh, yeah, since then, um, and then Spotify came out and became huge. And I saw you guys were on there and just like, I'm just like blown away that like, I guess it doesn't matter that much, but like your following never like blew up. It's like, like you were saying, didn't know you had fans like in Japan or Europe, kind of like from never performing there. So like the internet just like shares your music everywhere, which is, I think is awesome. But yeah, it it stuck with me. I don't know, man. I just, for some reason i just love the songs like i love the beats like are a huge thing for me and like the lyrics and like your guys rapping i just like the sounds of your guys voices like and since then i've like you're in my top of like top three hip-hop groups ever oh man yeah That's very sweet like, with Thank tribe you. and i guess it's a hard one for like the, the other one but wow that's, that's verified air brother. Yeah, i need to I, capture just him, him <laughs> saying tribe and then you guys <laughs> dude i i see like honestly i, I like tri- like i show you guys to my friends all the time i was doing like the work and stuff with my coworkers, but my friends love you guys too and they're like super excited when i told them i was gonna like talk to you guys that's cool man yeah yeah it's i mean it's it's just it's weird that it um you know you just never know when you make when you make this stuff you just don't know who's gonna find it or um, yeah and again like you know we're we, I mean, I, I think when we were younger, we probably felt the same way about like Hiro, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that it was for us, it was like, those were the guys They just, you know, cause they were older than us, but you know, um, left an impression. So just to hear that, um, our music had, a, had, had somewhat of an impact on people like that. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, man. I mean, I think a big part that in that is just kind of this idea of just go and do shit, 
you know yeah. because yeah. when we started making music the idea was you make a demo and then you hope that somebody picks you up you know and then mm. there's so many songs from like the the so many like like underground hip-hop songs from the the late nine mid to late 90s where it's like underground mcs like complaining about record companies right like oh record mm. companies are shady blah, blah, blah. and then um we just were like you know what we have a little bit of disposable income and the internet was just becoming a thing and like we're these like early adopters to the internet and i think that had a big role in it because I don't yeah. think that I don't think that that people would know our music if we we waited for a record label to send something back. Well, yeah. we had a web page like early in the mm -hmm. like we had a web page when web like nobody had web pages. Artists did not have web pages. We had a web page like before the, uh, and the that, before the website you have right now. Like a version of that. Okay. Like, I think we transferred it over, but we had like a. I mean, we took some of the some of the content down. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's a lot of a lot of kids that were coming up age, like college kids, were like finding us, um, you know, across the country on on the internet, and we didn't know what was happening. We didn't. Know, I mean, we knew it was an important place for people to gather, and uh, you know, do do a little search on uh, Netscape. Uh, you don't know about Netscape. Netscape was like a search engine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know so people were doing like but anyway but that was um that probably played a role too and um you know i think us us sort of building something you know um yeah and i i always feel grateful that we made a decision you know in our in our early 20s to take whatever disposable income we had and do something creative with it yeah that's, and that's inspiring, take a leap definitely. with that you know because um you know, I've a lot of people in their mid in their early twenties. You, you get, you know, you start working, you get some disposable income, you blow it on like Friday night, Saturday night drinking yeah. or whatever, right? Which, which you know, went out. But like the trips to Vegas were like friends would be like, oh yeah, I blew like five hundred bucks, blah blah blah. I'm going to Vegas, did bottle service, whatever. We were going to Phase Studios, buying these big ass reels that we had to buy, these big physical reels to like hold our music making the drive, all that shit. And it paid off because, you know, I'm some Asian dude from San Francisco. Like I should not know anything about like what the Midwest is like. And because we made, we took this leap, we put the money in, like we were, we traveled all, like the parts of the country that I normally, I, I don't think I would have gone to. And we met people that I don't think I would have met. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah, was that was, oh, oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, where was your favorite, like, place you guys performed? Just, like, a quick question. We had some cool ones. We had fun in Minnesota. We had fun in, uh, in uh, Connecticut. Indiana That's, was fun. Yeah, that show in Hartford was, like, oh, yeah. fucking cool. That was cool. <laughs> it was an international hip-hop festival, actually. Um, so you had, like, MCs and musicians from, like, from Africa, from, like, Brazil. Some from, dude like, was playing Palestine. a didgeridoo. Remember that? Some guy was playing yeah. And it was, and these were like some of the top artists from their countries, right? Yeah. Like, but so that was, that was super cool. Just, I forget. I mean, it was fun. It was but fun. like the small places were cool, you know? Cause you have yeah. to remember like me and she, we haven't lived in the same geographic area since 1994. If you really think about it, right? I've never, yeah. I've never lived in SoCal when you lived in SoCal. I mean, I lived in Boston when you were in Philly, but that's still a long drive. You know, so yep. it was like an excuse for us to like hang out. Like we would do these, like we would, just, it's like me and my friend would meet in Indiana, like in Bloomington, Indiana to kick it for a weekend, you know, make a little bit of money on the side, sit at a panel, perform, meet some college students. Um, that was really cool. Like I, I, I oftentimes will, you know, because I'm a teacher and I like, a lot of times you'll hear kids, we live in this kind of culture where it's like this achievement culture. Where yeah. it's like there's these benchmarks of like whether you made it or not if you're a young person. And so I'm an eighth grade teacher. So like, you know, kids want to get into particular high schools and there's a point in the year where they find out they did or didn't get where they wanted to. And like there's that there's this day when like you bust out the Kleenexes and like, look, I know you, you wanted to go here, but you got here and so on and so forth. And at some point, my message to the kids was like, just do cool shit. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you go there's opportunities to do really cool shit and like, and cool shit doesn't have to be 
like what someone else is telling you is cool. That's you know, true. like you, you can make something memorable by taking these small leaps of faith, no matter where you're at. And like, I like knowing that in the back of my mind that, mm. you know, I'm not just, you know, you know, blowing smoke out my ass. Like that's some shit that me mm. and my friend did, yeah. you know? But it's interesting too. Cause Josh, I, you know, I feel like you're doing that too right now with this podcast and like, you know, you did your, your homework, you're, you know, like you obviously were like, I'm not just going to have two dudes on here. I know nothing about their work. So, you yeah. know, clearly you're trying to you blow you guys up in 2022. <laughs> Show them what's up. <laughs> yeah, man. But you know, it's like, but you, you obviously have a passion for it, for this. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. Uh, you wouldn't be doing it. And so just like, you know, I, I think Ray's absolutely right. Like do shit that is important or interesting to you. And then what comes of it comes of it, but do it with no expectations other than you like doing it. You know, yeah. it's kind of like what I was yeah. talking about with, with the craft piece, like blow, like the idea of blowing up used to mean something, I think to yeah. both of us, to me, and it stopped meaning that once I really understood, like I'm, what I actually derive pleasure from is actually working on songs, working on the craft, like the it's process. trying to figure it out. That's, that's the thing. And yeah. so like, I'm at peace with everything around it because I know that's my meditation when I really, really get excited about a verse or a song you know um so that's and that's and that's that growth that goes into other in other fields like if you've never actually like had to go through the process of going from nothing and building something that you're proud of then it's really hard to get started on that so you know like we made these albums and we we did all of this shit ourselves like the art like first it was like literally making the art ourselves and i'm not an artist but we like made our covers ourselves and then it becomes like we'll find the right people and then like form the team and all of those skills can translate to other things mm -hmm. you know because like so chi was like his his uh, image of what blowing up was you know was something and i like i like i've been saying i was i looked at this like a hobbyist almost right but at some point i had a conversation with chi and i was like I don't know how many of the MCs that we admired when we were in high school are making a living off of something that's related to the skills that, 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 that they built making this music. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say that like, I got my teaching jobs in part because of the process of making music. You know, I feel yeah. like she, like, like your line of work, like that translates, yeah. you know? So I'm still a hip hop artist. I'm, I don't go around saying I'm a hip hop artist, but if you were to sit in on my classroom, you, there's some remnant of, of that. That's, that's like the thread that I but feel it's, like, it's, yeah. But I think what Ray, I think I really appreciate what he's saying because really what it is, is the, the ethos of that experience, the, the, hip, the hip hop culture and like the, the, the stick-to-itiveness, the do-it-yourself, the DIY ethic, and how you just respect people and what they bring to the table and how you can look at it as a lens for how you want to be in relationship with other people. Um, it's, it's a damn good teacher, right? It, yeah. it, it guides. And so I think really what Ray, for, for, based on what he's saying, what I'm taking from that is that it's, it's really, um, it's, I think, taught both of us how to be with people, how to be, how to look at a task at hand, how to, how to bring people together. So all that stuff comes from hip hop culture, you know, like, there's aspects of it that um, have probably been harmful, I think, uh, at least for me uh, in the past, you know, like certain things I took on or did that I'm like, man, I probably could have avoided a whole lot of trouble. But all in all, it's you get judged for the work you put in, you know, and all the mm -hmm. other shit is the other shit. And so that's definitely something that I, I agree with Ray on is it's taught us um, that because we put in the work, regardless of how, you know, people measure success to me it was an immense success because i got to be a better human being out of it awesome well i mean that's pretty much all i had to say and ask like you guys are super cool and i i appreciate you guys doing this for me the first guest of 2022 which is awesome is there anything else to say at all like plug oblique brown or anything else um yeah i mean you know Obviously, you can obviously check out the Himalayan Project catalog on, on Spotify. Although Ray and I got to have a conversation if we need to pull that from Spotify or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> inside joke, but it's connected to Joe Rogan. But anyway, um, <laughs> Oblique Brown, uh, you can find that also on, on iTunes and Bandcamp. Um, 
and you know the Chi Malabar solo stuff. But it's it's there, you know. Just if you're interested in Himalayan project, you may or may not like the other stuff because Ray's not involved in it as much. But um, yeah, check it out. Yeah. And, and I've I've got a dope lesson on the Fourth Amendment coming out of uh, Bungalow Ten <laughs> this week. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you catch it if you uh, can get past security. All right. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Well, thank you very much for doing this. Um, I'll post this in probably like, I want to try to post it tonight, but it's not going to come out to probably the weekend. So I'll just share it with you guys once it's up and going. Yeah, please do, man. All right. I thank appreciate you. your time for reaching out, man. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Stay in touch, all right? Yeah. Stay all in right. touch. Sounds good. See you guys. All right. Peace.